You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Very good, Keith. Johnson. The AfterBuzz Studios in Los Angeles, California. Presented by Maria Menounos and Bing.com and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is AfterBuzz TV's Spartacus After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. If you'd like to buzz in on tonight's show, you can buzz us at 424-256-1729. That's 424-256-1729. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show. It's After Buzz TV's Spartacus After Show. Bing is for doing, everybody, and here we are doing another AfterBuzz TV episode for Spartacus, your favorite show. This is season three, episode three, Men of Honor. I am your host, Sean O, and I'm joined here by my very spicy co-host. Spicy Mari. <laughs> yeah. I had to keep you guys in suspense, because this was definitely a sizzling episode, and one of my favorites thus far. Sean, would you agree? This was a phenomenal episode. I agree. This was uh, uh, it had the biggest battle scene in it since the first episode of this season. And it had passion, it had fire, it had love, intensity, betrayal. Betrayal. Big time. Betrayal. Everything just crazy and wacky that you can think of happened in this episode. I feel like this was the most betrayal that we've seen since the previous seasons. Oh yeah, definitely. Because there's there aren't too many other snakes, but we're starting to develop them. We're starting to see people like Sanus and Nemetes, who are some of the other people like under Spartacus's command, mm-hmm. and they're kind of like showing the way they feel towards the the Romans that they now have shackled. And everybody the city. is like wanting or thirsty for that position of power. People are starting to take matters into their own hand, and we hear your favorite word that you noticed this season, wolf, mentioned once again this episode. By Tiberius. Yep, exactly. So we have uh, so many relationships and so much to cover. And thank you very much, Spicy, for writing up the outline. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. So we're going to be talking about Heraclio, who's the new pirate that's introduced, and his bargain with Spartacus. Spartacus and Laeta and what they got going on. I'm telling you, they're going to hook up. It looks like (laughs) it. And uh, Opianus, who's the baker, or the bread maker, as they call him. And uh, see, oh, okay, and then also Spartacus and you know and Laeta and what's what's going on with their relationship to Ulpianus. Right. Then of course we have Crixus and Navia, and Navia reveals something very interesting. Right? How she a, tra- a trauma? Yeah, that it was happened. A, a deep situation that she encountered. And uh, Agron and Nasir, who I like to call Nagron, because <laughs> they're a couple. <laughs> and uh, we got Sybil and Saxa. And her offering to Gannicus. Lastly, we got Totus, Tiberius, and, and the pirates in that battle at the end. Yeah, that was great. And, and Totus died. Ah, oh, he was only in for, what, two episodes? Or I maybe, know. Maybe even one. But that's why they didn't let us get that close with him, so he wouldn't be disappointed. Of course. But let's start with the introduction of the pirates. Yeah. So the pirates get introduced, and we learn that we learn a little bit later on. His name is Heraclio, and at first there's there's this really interesting scene where Spartacus he, he meets them right. He's not sure who they are. When they say who they are, they introduce themselves as the, as the brigands of 
Cis, what was it? Cilicia. Brigands of Cilicia. Yeah. AKA fucking pirates. Cilicia. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was such an interesting scene with Spartacus there, and he was so intense. Do you remember Liam McIntyre's face, just the way he looked? Oh, yeah, you love that scene. You said that you thought it was amazing acting when they were introduced to each other, and he's asking him, Are you this? Are you that? Have you defeated this? And Spartacus stands up to him, yes, but then he's surprised when he gives him this huge embrace and welcoming and, uh, you know, gift of alcohol in order to celebrate their encounter. And even afterwards, after he releases from the hug, Spartacus is looking at him in a a question (laughs) kind of way. Yeah, because Spartacus doesn't trust anybody. But we see, and we kind of know as Spartacus fans, when there's going to be some type of controversy or when we can't trust. And I know that throughout this episode, I felt like I could not trust the pirates until they prove themselves, which we'll talk about later on. Yeah. And it actually, why not? Let's just talk about it. You want to okay, talk about it? Okay, let's go for it. Let's, it. let's talk Snaps. about it right let's now. Let's do it. Okay, so pretty much the whole time I felt like they were gangsters who were extorting like a local businessman or somebody who's in like a certain position and they're trying to get money from them, right? Right. It, it, it felt like that to me. And he wanted that seal that they had, um, they needed of the e-dials so they could have their documents of their their storage and stuff in their ships look like it was legitimate. Right. And um, we might as well talk about Laida, who kind of felt like she was betrayed by her husband because she thought that these were sworn enemies to her husband. But come to find out when Spartacus tells her, no, your husband was kind of in you know cahoots with them. She just feels the utmost just hurt and pain. She doesn't feel like she knows who she is, who her husband was, and she doesn't even value her life now. You know, kill me. The gods might as well take me, blah, blah. Blah, blah. But Spartacus, who is oh so kind, you know, tells her that there is value of her. That's right. He's being Jesus once again. Right. <laughs> once again. Yes. How many times have I referred to Spartacus as Jesus? That's very true. Yeah, so he, uh, the savior. He ends up, you know, striking that deal with the pirates and he actually unshackles her and lets her go. And there was an, also an interesting scene a little bit before that where the pirates say something funny. Uh, Her- Heraclio, gosh, his, his name is pretty, it sounds like Hercules. Yeah, almost. it does. So he says something like he wants to get he wants to sell his stores in his his stores of grain and food, whatever he has in his ships for 10,000 denarii. Right. And which seems like a shitload of money. Yeah. If you ask me to uh, to Spartacus. And he wants to get the Leita, the Adal's wife as right. well. But, but Spartacus is not like the Romans. He does not. He's not in the business of uh, slave, trading. slave trading. Yes, and I definitely appreciated that because you you would think that Spartacus wouldn't care about them. She's a Roman. Who cares? But I feel like he still has this protective nature over her. And I already told you, I feel as if they're forming a relationship because she even mentioned that uh, Heraclio was right that he is not the man that they thought that he was. Yes. And so I kind of feel like she's starting to she's going to get an affection for him. I feel like that, too. But on the other hand, I feel like obviously at the end of the episode, we see that she is housing a lot of the, the Romans who, who are now shackled right. down in that uh, stable, the, the false floor or whatever of the stable. Right. So maybe she's going to be playing with Spartacus. But that's to show the humanitarian side of her, which I think in the end, Spartacus will wind up respecting because he is just like that. He's a savior. You can't knock her for doing the same thing for her own kind. Yeah, the Romans have done awful, just atrocious things to the gladiators and, you know, to the soldiers. But I think at the end of the day, he's going to wind up respecting her and loving her more for it because he loves that. He loves heart. He he falls in love with heart. Yeah, I I think you're right, actually. Yeah. And uh, and it was just I wonder if 
Atias had something to do with the whole. I think that he moving, did, but then again, Navy is a little kooky. Yeah. Um, we, we're gonna let's jump a little bit ahead because I do want to talk about the bread, but I want to talk about Navia too because she was a, a just a pivotal and just crucial component of today's episode. We haven't seen that much of Navia. We see that she's starting to get fighter in her um, stronger in her swordsmanship and in her fighting. She's very strong. Very strong and mentally strong as well. But we also see her becoming not. I don't want to say evil or demonic, but she's becoming a little bit more of a hater. She, she has this hatred in her heart. It's growing. I feel like she has a lot of post-traumatic stress we, disorder. Oh, yeah. We see her witnessing this scene between uh, Opianus, Opianus, the bread maker, the bread maker and, and some other random some Roman. random or, Roman who wants yeah. this, this food. And they're fighting because one of the uh, Germans had... Um, Nemetes. Nemetes had asked him for, you know, where his where his treasure or his money was or whatever his riches he tells him in exchange for bread for his pregnant wife and so then he throws the food on the floor another person fights with uh opianus in order to get the food Crixus winds up turning it into a brawl. He wants to see like a little gladiator fight right. in a way. And neither of them have fighting skills, but they duke it out. And Opianus winds up winning, but then Navius strikes him. Strikes his hand. <sighs> Which I had a huge problem with because she is, one, she's a woman, I'm sorry, it was a little heartless of her, but at the same time, she had to have her man's back, which I understand. But she's so damaged inside, eternally. She's so jacked up that she can't even see what he's doing because she only sees the atrocities that were done to her. Yeah, she can't look at the perspective from another angle exactly. and say, hey, he's not reaching for the sword. Right. He's reaching for the bread. What was close she to She doesn't him? see the, the good in anybody anymore. And she used to be such a kind soul when she was a slave. And now she is just this ruthless warrior amongst the rest of the gladiators. And so she defends her man. And because she does that, Crixus now has to defend her because Adiatus busts her out for having sliced, you know, uh, Opianus unjustly. And, and he calls her a very bad word. Oh, yeah. What does he say? He calls her a cunt. Yes. <laughs> and so... <laughs> ooh. And, and that's how she was acting. Unfortunately, I really was upset. I, I was upset with her that she acted so out of control. But at the same time, she had her man's back. I appreciate Crixus having hers. But then we see this heartfelt, passionate moment between them where she delivers um, or divulges more information to us about where... Her pain and anger lies, and, and that, she tells was, a story. Yeah, and she tells a story about how she left Batiatis's house, and she was treated very poorly for a long time. Correct. She meets some guy I, for, I forgot his name, but her new master, Correct. who ends up showing her lots of kindness. He's such a kind and gentle man, like Opianus the baker, and she. And then later on, in one night, he actually comes to her room after he puts his family to bed. Right, and he. P- plugs her and prods her with tools It looked and like he was torturing her, you said. I couldn't tell. That's if, the idea I got. I couldn't tell what exactly through the tools that they were using, what he was doing to her, but whatever it was, it looked gruesome, and I, I, I really felt bad for her. Um, and I can understand now why she has like those that post-traumatic stress. Yeah, exactly. Because she, the next day, what was more hurtful, she said, was not that he tortured her or did those things to her in the evening, but the next morning when the sun came up, it was like he was a different person, no longer the monster. The best from the previous night transformed from a man who holds them no threat. Talking about, he didn't hold his family any threat, but, I mean, wait, the... 
worse from the previous night transformed from a man who holds him no threat. I think that's what she said. Uh, I don't know if I'm quoting, But you guys get the idea. She's saying that somebody, it was a different man. Somebody who had just abused her was kind with his family. It wasn't the same person. So she identified the baker being this same threat. She's tired of seeing these sweet, kind men who are showing, you know, just grace and then at the drop of a dime, they turn into this evil creature, hatred of a man. And that's what, and so she writes, she's having post-traumatic stress disorder. And at the same time, it's 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 almost at analogous to a lot of stuff that's going on mm-hmm. right now in the world because we're having like preemptive strikes and like, oh, the terrorists are going to get us. We need to get them first because they're about to do this. Right. She sees people as, even though they're kind-faced, they may have ulterior motives. Right. She gets mad at them over any little thing. She is angry. She she got mad, at, obviously, at, I'll be honest, for reaching for the bread when it's near the sword. She got mad at uh, Adius when there's a rumor that he may be moving the slaves, or, or rather the so, Romans. Since, because we're going to talk about that anyways, let's just hop right into that. She is very protective of self, and she's very protective of the family that she's created amongst the gladiators. And so when she sees that there's a threat involved... She has no problem now, I feel like, stepping to the plate and challenging whomever that threat may be because she's stronger now physically, mentally. uh, She has a lot of confidence. Spiritually, love, relationship-wise. She just has this incredible confidence about herself but with a lot of distrust. So she approaches Adiatus in order to confront him about the same person, Opianus, who she had a problem with earlier, who she wasn't trusting, because now I guess he is fleeing from the from the city. But supposedly. he was he was given permission to though, which is which is odd because and she was like, "Oh, you're not going to say goodbye to us," mm-hmm. but he doesn't have to because. He doesn't like anybody. <laughs> so, of course, he's going to leave absent saying his goodbyes. Right, to, to Ariadis. Yes. Okay. So, she goes She goes to him, but she, she wasn't saying, like, she was sad. She was saying it like the audacity of you. And so, when she confronts him, she sees that he's, what, like, packing up his stuff? He's packing up his coins. Right. But she feels like he's been aiding Opianus. So, she starts to fight with him. And he fights back. And I was really nervous for him because I'm like, oh, gosh, please, please, please don't let this be the scene that Navia dies. Her life has been threatened so much every different season. I could not take it if I lost her this season, which I'm really, really scared for. But now I love the chick, you know. And so with her, you know, damaged goods and all, now she's fighting for not just honor, but also for this hatred that she has, too, for the Romans. And so because he's so defensive, he's fighting her back. But we really don't know what they're fighting for. We don't really know if he was aiding the Romans or not. We don't. It, it's very, it's, there's a lack of dramatic irony there because as, as the audience, we don't get to see anything that's happening behind the scenes. And even Saxa saying what she did in German, remember they didn't translate it. And she was talking to Nemetes. Right. And then Navia overhears them, but of course she doesn't understand German. And she asks them, wait, what, what did you say? What right. are you guys talking about? And they kind of planted that little seed there. Perhaps the Germans kind of wanted Navia to fly off the handle and do mm, what she did. Because they don't like the Romans either. And they, they know that she's kind of like a pit bull right now, ready to attack. Exactly. They know and, she's up there. And she does. She winds up defeating uh, Ariadis. Am I saying it right? She, yeah. She, and she bashes his head in like a melon with a hammer. And and she, uh, what did, she, said, uh, she said something about she's so tired. Oh, I've had my fail of men such as you. 
This was important because that was pretty much the sum of what she was feeling and the hatred that she was feeling in her heart towards guys who act like they're good, but they're really not. But these, for me, it seems like these are illusions to her almost, you know, like, well, rather to us. They're like, she's getting delusional. She is making up all these things about people. She is. That's a great point. And that's why it's really, I don't like to see her going down. It's almost a paranoia, right? It is a paranoia. I don't like to see her going down this path. Mm -hmm. But hey, what are we to do? It's called War of the Damned and she's damning herself. (laughs) Well, what damns her even more is the fact that this was Gannicus's best friend. This was somebody that was uh, close to his heart. We see the relationship unfolding throughout the entire season where this is somebody who he's turning to. He's having having side conversations with. It's obviously an old and dear friend of his because he introduced him to Spartacus and the rest of the gladiators. And so the fact that he's now lost a friend to her hand, I think that he's getting a little bit of suspect for her. I think that he questions it a little bit as well. Yeah, I feel like... Now Gannicus is pretty much by himself without he, with how he feels towards mm-hmm. the Romans. Yeah. And, and Spartacus, obviously, they, they share a commonality. Where, where Actually, Spartacus, he's more like, let's not hurt the Romans at all. Gannicus was kind of leaning towards his direction, but wasn't, you know, it definitely didn't want to hurt him like Crixus and the other rebels did. So can, while we're on the topic of Gannicus, can we talk about one of the most hot scenes that occurred in this episode? I was impressed. I know that you were kind of thinking threesome, but... (laughs) I I at least got some eye candy. We didn't get the threesome that we imagined, but what we did get was uh, Sybil and uh, Saxa. Saxa, yeah. And what she did, which was very smart for a woman, was instead of allowing the power to be taken from you and your man cheating on you, we see Sybil, little bit by little bit, following... Uh, Gannicus around, like a little puppy, he said, like a little pup. An errant pup on his right. heels. on his heels, because he killed her, uh, her, her do- master. Her Dominus. Her Dominus. And so she's been following him. We don't really know what it's for. We think that possibly she wants him sexually. She, she wants to give him gratitude for e- saving her. Exactly. But sex is going to have her way or the highway. So she confronts Sybil about this, and Sybil says that she just wants to thank him. But then we see the next scene where she has prepared her. She's beautiful. She's in see-through clothing ready to be taken to be she was presentable for Gannicus very presentable I might add and it looked like Saxa and Sybil were both wearing Roman elegant garments they looked beautiful and when I tell you that Sybil's perfect little boobies her (laughs) hoo-hoos were amazing this scene. I was like, okay, I don't know if those are real. If you guys at home think that they're real, please tweet at us, let us know, because those were just amazing. Leave like your comments and opinions, please, because I was just, I I was kind of torn. I don't know. Those were amazing breasts. I don't know if they were real. She had a very nice body. Uh, I I enjoyed looking at it, but you mentioned something like she could have maybe trimmed the bush down. Oh, I felt like she needed to do a little landscaping down there. It was very bushy. Back then, they didn't have waxing, I'm sure. They didn't. So, and I think it was more sexy when you had a lot of hair down there, but that was just too furry. I think it's just because she was a slave, so she's probably not... You know, uh, they don't true. maintain as well because because they don't have the they don't have their own slaves to pluck the hair off give, of them. I'm gonna give her benefit of the doubt, but that's a whole lot of flossing that would need to occur <laughs> after going down on that. That was really bushy, but she looked amazing. And what I love most about that scene is that uh, Saxa was trying to get the upper hand. She was trying to 
take the matters under control. She did not want to lose her man to Sybil because she saw the affection that Sybil had for him. So what she did was she presented Sybil to him, but instead, Gannicus denied her. He gave, she gave Gannicus the choice. Right. And he took the smart route, actually, by not... By not having, choosing to be with child. By not having a threesome with, <laughs> with both of them. And he, he gave a good excuse, which you know I could see any man making, which is, oh, but she's but a child. She does not please. And he says, she is but child. I will have a woman tend to my needs. Yeah. And so uh, that was pretty hot. I'm sorry. When the man chooses not to have two women and he only chooses one, you saw her jump all over him. She loved his response more than she did the uh, threesome that she was going to have. And so I was proud. I was proud of both of them for that decision. Unfortunately, they didn't show her affection for him. Uh, Oh, I know you were expecting that, right? I would have. Well, they did show her jump on him with that very nice booty she has. (laughs) What she lacks in breasts. She has an ass. She has an ass for sure. Well, well, we see. Unfortunately, I think that there's still some uh, affection there. We see Sybil waiting for him because she still wants to thank Gannicus after he's gotten his socks off and his rocks off with Saxa. He comes out drinking. Yes. And he's like, oh, you again, you know, like, oh, what are you doing here? You're going to get me in trouble. And she's like, you know, I just want to show you thanks. Like, you you were sent from the gods. I appreciate you saving my life. But I still think that although he sent her away and he said, you know, leave my sight. I don't want to see you. That's the best. That's the favor you can do for me. I think that they're going to wind up hooking up still. I think you're right. And we can talk about that in predictions, but I'm just saying. We can talk about that. I'm just saying. And if you guys at home want more of the spiciness that we talk (laughs) about here, about spicy Spartacus sex scenes, then of course you need to download us on iTunes and give us a five-star rating. You know, we deserve it. Don't you think so? So do that. Rate and comment us. It only takes a minute. You know, tell a friend. And I actually have some stuff, some comments here from uh, the last week and we got somebody on YouTube our YouTube channel Ooh, saying cool. yeah they, we actually got quite a few comments nice and someone has been noticing that Spicy Mario has been saying Craxis instead of Crassus oh excuse <laughs> and moi okay so, Le Selva I've been YouTube, saying it wrong what so, do I need to say uh, corrects you and says it's Marcus Crassus not Craxis okay if cracks ass is the only way that I can remember it, <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. But I need to say Crixus. Crixus, we know who Crixus is. Okay. So he's the he's you know one but of the Marcus rebels. Crassus. 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 Okay, Crassus. Like don't be crass. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, I've been saying crack ass, but don't be crass. Okay, Crassus. 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 Okay. There we go. Thank you for correcting me, guys. I'm sorry that my Roman tongue is not as sharp as these. And uh, a little bit later, five days ago, we had Diva5835801. She said that her prediction is that Tiberius is killed by Spartacus. He is a fictional character and there is much leeway. Oh, I like that. So that is a good prediction. That is really good. Thank you, Diva. Additionally, we have Remus0387 who comments at us as well. And Remus has been recurring. He's been a recurring fan following us. And of course, you know, I can tell by his name that he likes Roman history because Remus Remus and Romulus were the founders of Rome. Oh, so, so he knows what he was doing. He knows what he was doing. He says, good show, guys. I always enjoy a Spartacus after show. Caesar will certainly pose a great threat for Spartacus and the rebels, but also for Crassus as well as he is responsible for causing some familiar strife with blah, blah, blah. It's kind of long, man. <laughs> but uh, let me just fast forward to the end of that. Uh, 
Let's see. He says, oh, the Sicilian pirates were a real threat during the Third Servile War, which is the Spartacus, mm-hmm. Spartacus's rebellion, and uh, made deals with them for trade and transportation around the Italian coast. But yes, they are untrustworthy, so keep an eye out for oh, them. Oh, see, we thought that. We were thinking that. Because so, this episode, I felt like... Uh, they were a threat. We could not trust them. I've never heard of pirates that you can trust. No. But what we saw this episode was their loyalty proven when Tiberius sends the Romans to fight Spartacus's army against his father's wishes. Uh, he was trying to be a wolf and, what did he say, not a dog not or whatever. Not a dog that's, that's well healed. Yeah. Something like that. Right. And so when he when he decides to charge Spartacus during a deal that was uh, conspiring with being brokered uh, by Spartacus and the pirates, right? He winds up beginning to win the battle because they have additional Romans coming. But then that's when Herculeo, yeah, Heracleo, Heracleo. You guys, I'm sorry. I apologize at home if my Greek Roman who knows Spartacus if, dialogue is not enunciated correctly. Who even knows if I'm saying all of the <laughs> names correctly? I may be doing a disservice to the words as well. We're sorry. I'm definitely sorry. But what, but when this happens, we see that that's when he proves himself. We see these firebombs, that these cannon firebombs that are launched towards the Romans, which helps the, uh, the gladiator army of Spartacus actually defeat the Romans. It does. It helps the pirates and Spartacus team up and smear the Romans into a retreat. But what we have to also make sure that we mention is that the fact that uh, Horaclio, Horaclio, I don't know how to say his name. He seemed like he was planning something before the, the Romans came. The fact that he came. had those ready, that he had a signal waiting for his pirates the throwing of the torch in the air to signal them to throw those means they expected to have war with the gladiators. They expected Spartacus and his army to fight them or to rebel. And so he was prepared to, to, to fight them. But at the end of the day, when he saw that it was the Romans, I appreciate that he joined Spartacus's side. I don't think that he was ex- ex- expecting that to fight the Romans, but the fact that he had that prepared means at some point he was expecting to fight, to fight Spartacus's army. Agreed. I feel like if if the deal would have went south on him, right. then he would have done that. Why did he bring only a few samples of his wares on his ships for Spartacus to see? He's a sm- he's a he's a smart businessman and negotiator. You don't bring all of the profit or money or whatever it is you're negotiating the goods up front you see kind of where their head is and when you see that this deal is going to uh, be 100 percent, then you deliver the rest of the goods so i understand as a businessman what he was doing only we know that spartacus is trustworthy he doesn't know that this is a new relationship so i understand what he was doing but i think that the original intention was not to honor his word i agree with you i think that when he saw opportunity as a pirate, that's when he decided to carry it out. Let's talk about Agron and Nasir, or oh, Magron. Oh, my God. So this is the spicy scene number two that we got to see because they didn't show us any full-blown sex this entire episode except for this first time ever before making love homosexual scene. We have seen gay sex before on Spartacus. We've seen a lot of gay fucking on Spartacus. Right. Which is completely different because it's so, it's almost like a power thing. There's not as much love in it. It's just usually a guy from behind 
piling into the other dude. Yep. But this time we see a lot of kissing. This was passionate. It was very passionate. It was passionate lovemaking between two people. I believe their love now at this point. I mean, it was amazing. There was a a pirate who was threatening Agron's what you would say property or love her. And because this gentleman was a threat, he was holding um uh, Nasser's attention. He was. It seemed he, like Nasser could have gone for the He deal, could have walked away. The proposition. But he liked his ego being stroked. And, you know, what else we know he likes being stroked. But this gentleman <laughs> offered that to him. And so he we He said see... he only wanted to sample the wine or kiss, <laughs> kiss the wine, something like that. Right. And so we see Agron witnessing this and then trying to fight what he already doesn't trust is the pirates. And so him trying to fight the gentleman who threatened his lover. And so at that point when we see them brawling out, we know Agron's going to kick his ass. He's in for an ass whooping, and that's what he served all dude. Actually, I'm surprised because Agron did get his butt kicked a little bit. But at the end, he regained his posture. Right, and right, then he right. started smacking that guy just... Uh, defenselessly Mm -hmm. smacking the guy in the face over and over again. Spartacus comes, tells him to fall from sight. Right. Which I like that quote. But before he he fell from sight, he made sure he got one more strike in. One more strike. Yeah, because as a man, you have to obey orders, but you're not going to obey orders to the T. You have to at least rebel a little bit just to prove your, you know, masculinity. Hey, they are rebels. Right, exactly. So he hits the gentleman and then brings uh, Naxxer to the room and then begins to confess, you know, how much he loves him, his undying love. Um, you had a really good quote in that scene, by the way. I did. Okay, so wait, uh, you battle a god for me. I would slay all who would lay attempt to wrest you from my arms. And then this is when the serious lovemaking begins. It does. And they, were, they were very naked, by the way. They So he was hitting it from behind. He was hitting it on top. I Sideways. mean, they were kissing it. They were... This was... Well, this one thing that I think all of you guys at home will notice about Spartacus is that nothing is off limits. No sexuality, no uh, crimes. There's no amount of violence that will be off limits. Everything is on and popping on this show. And I think that's the thing that we love about it is that it's so raw. It's so it's so pure. And I feel like it's one snap away from porn. It's almost unfiltered. But it's so amazing. It's, like it's I really love good. it. Like if I'm gonna watch, if I'm gonna watch porn or Spartacus, I'm gonna choose Spartacus. You know what? I actually um, I noticed, and we heard this from Stephen Tonight, the writer mm-hmm. himself, when we went to the premiere. He said, whenever he writes something, he writes it the most, almost the most gruesome he can make it. Oh like, yeah. Write unfiltered from his brain onto the paper, mm-hmm. and then he thinks to himself. They're never going to put that in, but it ends up getting in. Ah, yeah. This definitely pushes the envelope for shows. And we saw that this scene. And you even said you were like, oh, my God, they just made love. And I I was convinced. I was convinced from this scene. And I thought that it was very intense and it was amazing. And it showed that they just have this intense loyalty. And uh, when they were going to be separated in order to go fight the pirates, um, it was a great scene. Because, you know, they gave each other like a little kiss goodbye. And... Every single episode, we're so scared for uh, uh, Nasir's life because we're like, is this the one? Is this the one where he's going to die? Because at some point, Agron's going to be disappointed and lose yeah. his lover. I just see that coming. Absolutely. Um, I just got the uh, the cue that we're actually running out of okay, time. Let's so wrap let's, it let's up. wrap it up. Let's actually go to our favorite quotes, and then we'll move into <laughs> news and gossip after we do our favorite quotes real fast. Okay. Give answer. I'm no fucking echo. 
<laughs> that's from Danicus when he was talking for Atius a lot in the beginning of the episode. Uh, did you have some other than those uh, other ones? I slip from reason when presented by thoughts of lesser men. Now, this was between Caesar and Tiberius. And that was a really good scene. And what we haven't talked about is their uh, little feud going on between the power struggle that uh, Marcus Crassus (laughs) presented his son the position of power, which is above Caesar. But Caesar secretly feels like he's in a position of power that Tiberius doesn't know about. And so we see this kind of just, you know, masculine kind of feud between them. And it's low-key undercutting one another. And when he gets the—when the soldier comes and presents new information to them, he winds up killing him against Tiberius's wishes. And that's when he says this quote, which I feel was really— just kind of indicative of their entire relationship. We don't know if he's talking about the slave being beneath him or the soldier being beneath him, I'm sorry. Or Tiberius. Or Tiberius. And that, that was a really good scene. I love the double entendre. Definitely, like definitely. And even Tiberius got a hint of it too. Yeah. I wake with desire of cock, yet you from my bed. <laughs> that was I have one about cock. That's cool. Yeah. My cock is magic. So then, see it vanish from my sight. Oh, that was a good one. But too. Navia, I'm sorry, she was looking at that cock. She we was. saw a double little extra glance. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And, she, and she's well, well. Actually, he was one of the rebels, but she prefers the pirates to the Romans, of course. Yeah, which obviously. Is very interesting. A fight far from the worthy arena. Feast upon laurels. Of. Heraclio, 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 and his men. If if Heraclio and his men fall short of honor, kill them where they stand. Mm. And this was from uh, Spartacus, ah. because like usual, Spartacus is like you know, kill them all if we got to. And that's one thing I appreciate about him. He'll take anybody down. He brushes us aside in favor of swallowing Caesar's cock. Let us pray he chokes upon it. <laughs> um, speak. <laughs> Plainly, I grow tired of mystery. Oh, wait, that was last episode. Never mind. Whoopsie. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead. I'm done with mine then. Thank <laughs> now you. I'm recycling. Thank you, Spicy. <laughs> and uh, you guys, by the way, don't forget to check out the AfterBuzz TV ABTV store where you can buy tons of merchandise shirts, mugs, uh, reusable I get bags. Me a new shirt. I want a gray sweater on there. It's, it's really quite amazing. If you want a piece of AfterBuzz TV at home, be sure to check that out on our website. It's at the banner on the left side near the top of the page. Let's move into news and gossip. Let's do it. TV news. So I've only been active on Instagram for only a few months now, but I found Dan Farragill. Welcome. I found, thank you, I found Dan Farragill on there, and he has um, some awesome Sparty picks on there. Uh, let's see. Some of the ones that I found were, uh, let's see. Oh, actually... So let's go back a little bit. Crowboy, who's one of our fans, oh, yeah, he away. always tweets at us all the time. He has this awesome pick here. I don't know if our fans at home can see this, but you can see it. Spicy. Oh, cool. He found Liam McIntyre in London. Oh, nice. That's a great photo. And ended up taking a picture with him. So if you want to follow Crowboy, he's, uh, his handle is C-O- C-R-O-B-O-Y-A-2. He's a huge fan. He's a huge fan of ours, and obviously he's a huge fan of Spartacus because he, he spotted Liam McIntyre out. In a <laughs> How so, can you miss so him? That's pretty awesome. That was about six weeks ago that he saw him and posted that on Instagram. Dan Farragel, 
Uh, so he also, I've been following him on Instagram as well, and he likes Pantera, apparently. Oh. Which is, you know, the hardcore, like, kind of like rock band. Like, That's pretty rah, cool. Rah, those kinds of guys. I used to listen to them in high school, but he still listens to them. And he listens to them on his satellite radio, I guess. Additionally, he posted a photo on Instagram that got 537 likes a few weeks ago of him and Nasir doing a little Leonardo DiCaprio and Whoa. Kate Winslet thing on a boat, on a yacht. And it says here, for Nagron fans. Oh my gosh. I would love if you guys know, are they, if they're really homosexual, if they're really gay, if, and, and the reason that I inquire about this is because they are amazing actors, if not. And if they are really gay, they're still amazing actors because I believe their love. But I would love to know, you guys, please tweet at us. I'm uh, at spicy underscore Mari. And Sean, what's your Twitter? At Sean Austin o. Let us know because this is like intense lovemaking and passion going on between them. And if it's not real, god damn it, they do a hell of a job. They do a great job. And that's what's so genuine about the show. And it makes it so much more different than any other show with gay relationships on it. Yeah, definitely. They push it. They go in. Let's move into predictions. Let's do it. And now, you're after Buzz TV. Predictions. I think that Leita is going to cause trouble for Spartacus. Even though they may have a little bit of a relationship, perhaps, in mm-hmm. the next few episodes, she's probably going to backstab him, because what is she? She's a Roman. Very true. I agree with that. I think that she is going to backstab him, but I think that Spartacus is going to see the good in her and wind up forgiving her through makeup sex. I just, that's what I foresee. I think he's going to put it on her. She's going to put it on him. And he's going to forgive her wrongdoings and deeds and the betrayal for the love. I think that he's going to wind up falling in love with her because obviously her husband was taken out for a reason. Mm. Lastly, I feel like the pirates are going to be helping Spartacus quite a bit within the next few episodes, but they probably are going to betray him because guess what? Even they're they're not Romans. They're pirates. But, but they're pirates. They serve their own purposes. Right. They want they're, they want money. That's all they care about. They don't care about freeing slaves and rebels. The Romans, if anything, give them money because they sell stuff to the Romans. Exactly. I can. I foresee that as well. I also think that um, there's going to be some betrayal uh, within the city. I think that the pirates are going to either try to take over the city because they're going to want it for themselves. So mm-hmm. they're going to come back and after like earning, you know, Spartacus's trust, now use that to have the upper hand or advantage over them. Mm, but even though the pirates live in the sea, I just think that they're going to try to take over the city. They could do that. It would be great for them to have something for their own to call a home port. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, that's about it for us this week. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and comment. Check us out on iTunes. You know, download the podcast. Listen to it in the car on your morning commute. Listen to it while you're working out. You know, come on. We talk about spicy stuff regarding Spartacus <laughs> here. And uh, we'll go. And, of course, you can follow me on Twitter, at Sean Austin O. You can find me on Instagram also, at it Sean O. And you can play with my Twitter day or night at spicy underscore Mari. And if you guys have any predictions, let us know about what you think is going to happen as well. You guys get, you know, pretty intense about our predictions. Sometimes we're wrong. Sometimes we're right. We're usually right more than wrong because we have a great, you know, uh, intuition. But please let us know if you think that something's going to happen with the uh, Crixus and Navia and she's going to have to uh, stand up to someone or he's going to have to talk her down from killing someone or killing herself. Who knows? Just let us know. Tweet at us. Thanks so much, guys. We will talk to you next week. Adios.
From Bing.com, executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz, see you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 